Well, we're continuing our series, and I will try it because we had extra five minutes there. I will condense it five minutes for you. I will do the best I can. Um, we're continuing a series this morning, and we're going to be in John chapter 13. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're calling our series Encounters with Jesus. And um, the title of this message is You Got Served. All right, you know. That's right, you got served by Dane. There we go. Or David on his uh, breakdancing, whatever it might be. I missed that earlier today. David was breakdancing up here in the front. It was pretty cool. Um, growing up, I went to church a lot because my parents were like really involved. Maybe you grew up in the church, maybe you didn't. But I, I grew up going to church at least three times a week, not more. And we would go Sunday morning. We would go Sunday night and Wednesday night. Who, who has that experience? Okay. Well, here's an experience I don't think you have that was related to me going to church. On Sunday night on the way to church, for whatever reason it might be, my mom would give me something called a spit bath. Okay, <laughs> so I don't think you have that experience. Probably not for my mom either. That would be kind of weird if my mom gave you a spit bath because you don't know my mom. But uh, in the backseat of the car, my mom would turn around and she would spit on a, a Kleenex or something. And she would wipe our faces, my brother. Uh, I mean, I don't know what was on my face from Sunday morning to Sunday afternoon. I don't know what happened, but she would felt the need to like wipe the junk off my face, whatever's on my face. I guess that was pretty nasty, I don't know. But uh, it was kind of gross. And, and I never really wanted to comply with the spit bath because, I mean, who would? You know what I'm saying? I mean, who wants to say, oh, just bring it on, spit bath, do it. I was just like, mom, stop, quit, quit. You know, that's kind of how you go through a spit bath, you know? And so I uh, just thought I was, I was thinking of that as I was looking at this message. Jesus is not going to give his disciples a spit bath, okay? We're going to look at Jesus washing their feet, okay? That's, he did spit and make mud and put on some dude's eye. We, we read about that before, but now he's going to wash some, some feet. And I don't know, you think about it, I don't know which one's worse, when you think about Middle Eastern feet in that time, would you rather have a spit bath or would you have to be washing people's feet? I don't know. We'll get into it. But let's read it together. We're looking at this iconic story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And so let's read it. It's in John 13, 1 to 17. We'll read that. And then I have five filling points here and we will we'll do what we can to to make, it, make work here quick. So it says this, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He, or another translation was he loved them to the very end or he loved them completely. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because, you know, Simon Peter, he's different than everybody else. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. 
which that's a good scripture if you want to write that down. You could take it out of context. But isn't that true about God? <laughs> you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll get it. Because so often what God's doing in our life, we don't quite get it in the moment. But he's up to something. And if we're not careful, we may say, God, quit. You ain't going to do this to me. Be Simon Peter. But hey, you might miss out. Hey, look, look, what, look what Peter says. No. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, sure. No, said Simon Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Not going to happen. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Let's take a bath. Let's, let's go. Spit bath, Jesus. Whatever you got to do. I'm all about being with you. Jesus answered, a person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked? You call me teacher. It's a big time title. Lord, now you're elevated, you're up there. And rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We're look, looking at this passage this morning, iconic in such a way that the university where I attended now has a statue in the grotto or whatever they call it there. They have some fancy names of stuff. But they have this massive statue of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. There are churches that practice this as a ordinance. There's churches that do this today because this is an iconic, this is a, 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 a huge thing that happened in the life of, of the disciples and in the in the realm of Christianity. But what does it all mean? What, what does this mean for us today? We're going to look at five things to kind of set this up. And we're going to first look at the win of serving. As we look at this passage, the win of serving. When did this take place? In your, in your text here or in your, your notes, you see I put down verses 1 to 3. There's a lot of time settings and setting this up. It was just before the Passover festival. The hour had come for Jesus to leave the world. The evening meal was in progress. There's a lot of things setting this up. But you know what? The context and timing of this was not necessarily ideal. This was a moment right before Jesus was going to endure the cross, which he was well aware of, where he had a lot of information to convey. As we continue to read, he had a whole sermon, speech, teaching that he had to really drill down into the disciples. There's a lot going on here. The, there was... A betrayer guy that's trying to go and, and stab him in the back. I mean, go Judas. A lot of things going on here. And in this timing, Jesus chose to humble himself and serve his disciples. So the timing, in a way, you think this is not really the best time to do this. I mean, could we have done this another, another time? I don't know when you have a lot going on. Do you feel your first natural inclination to just drop it all and serve somebody? I know I don't. 
I mean, I don't have a lot. I mean, I guess I got a lot going on. But, you know, okay, I'm working on my sermon. That's that's my big thing every week. I make sure I get this done, right? Because if I stood up here and didn't have anything to say, you'd probably be mad at me, right? Or something. I don't know. I've never done that before. So I'm just imagining it would go bad. So I got to get that finished. I got to study. I got to get ready. So in the midst of that, in my home life, it's like, hey, leave me alone, you know? If it, if it gets down to it. And, and dad, can you come plunge the toilet? Yeah, leave me alone. I got to do my sermon. You know, or all the different things that come. My inclination is not to drop everything, go serve somebody else. I got my stuff. I got to get it done. Right? Who has stuff in their life that they got to get done? Do you? I think we all do, right? And, and when the pressures come, the trials come, it's easy to put our stuff as the priority. Because, you know, it's our stuff. But Jesus had so much going on here, yet he took time out of his his massive busyness and all the things going on in his world to say, you know what, I'm going to take a moment in this, in this time to serve others. I think that's important. He chose to do this in the midst of his, uh, his most stressful hour. He still chose to serve others. When you're going through a storm, think about it. It's so easy to, to, to want everybody else to row the boat. It's not so natural to want to check on the other passengers. You know, not everybody wants to do that. Most of us think, oh, man, this is my storm. This is terrible. And that's okay. I'm not saying we, we can't get into that. But look at Jesus. He's, he's going to check on the other folks and serving others. And here's the point. I'm not saying that you can't have balance. You can't take breaks. I mean, goodness gracious, God wants us to take care of ourselves. Sure. But here's the point. Most of our greatest opportunities to serve others will come in times where we'd rather be doing something else. I want you, if you want to write that down, most of our opportunities, our greatest opportunities to serve others will often come in times where we'd rather be doing something else. Or we could think of three or four other things we'd rather do. Maybe the things we have to do, maybe the things we'd like to do, who knows. But often those times, those opportunities where we can serve and make a difference come in times where we're like, you know, I would rather do this over here. I would rather continue watching the movie that I have on TV than putting on pause and going over here and helping. I'd rather continue whatever it is, maybe something super important, than stopping what I'm doing and helping somebody else. That's not really what I have on my agenda today. But Jesus chose in this time, his win of serving was not necessarily the best looking time, but it was the best time to do it because it teaches us to be ready at any time to serve others. And I want you to think how, what opportunities are in front of you and have you pushed aside an opportunity because in your mind, this isn't the time. When I get less busy, when I get here, when I get there, then that's the time. But maybe God is saying, right now, you can still serve in some way, shape, or form. Number two, not only we have the win of serving, we have the what of serving. What is going on here? Well, very simply, Jesus is washing the dirt and the junk off his disciples' feet. And this is not glamorous. And when we do ceremonial foot washings now where, you know, in churches there was a, uh, you know, the symbols of God was actually, and I'll give you, I didn't have this in my notes, I don't know why, it just came into my mind, but there was a, a break in, in a racial divide in the symbols of God early on between black ministers and white ministers. And the black ministers went over here and did a church, and we symbols of God, we're the white boys. And then at some point along the way, they're like, you know, that's messed up. <laughs> what are we doing here? And they came to have this reconciliation. There was a symbolic foot washing of each other's feet. This took place, I think, in the early 90s. It was a good thing. Realize, hey, what, what are we, why are we trying to divide? We're, we should be together in this. 
But that was kind of the symbolism that's used. Hey, we can serve one another. We're no, I'm not above you. You're not above me. Let's wash one another's feet. So this is this is a, a cool thing. And the ceremonial thing, I don't know, that's cool. But I mean, back then there was no ceremonial thing. There was junk on people's feet. They walked in streets with animals and with mud, and they wore sandals. You know, they wore. I mean, I don't know if it was Birkenstocks, what they had back then, but they wore sandals, and the feet were dirty. They got, I mean, they, that's just how it was. That was their, their culture, and that's, you know. And so it was a, a consistent thing where they, they would wash their feet to go into somebody's home and to have a meal. It was, it was gross. If you're sitting around a table and someone just stepped in something and they're sitting there, that's just not appetizing. And so this was something that was expected. It was a, a cultural norm. When you went to somebody's home, they would have a servant or somebody of a lower class, lower level, wash a foot, make sure that we're all clean here, we can sit and enjoy this meal. This was, this was something that was not necessarily fun or enjoyable, and it was something that was often relegated to someone who was lowlier on the totem pole. See, there's all sorts of what's of service. The what that we, I don't know what your what is, but I think Jesus chose foot washing to demonstrate the, the severity and the depth of his love. And think about it. He didn't just get everybody a refill. Hey, Simon Peter, would you drink it? Tea. Okay, let's get you some tea. All right. Oh, you got a Coke? All right, cool. And then we have this, you know, statue at Southeastern University of Jesus getting people refills as a symbol of <laughs> the symbol of service. Well, we got everybody a refill. He didn't just scoop another thing of casserole. All right, what, you want some more? Okay. Then we got Jesus, the scooper of casserole. And that's our new, our, our, our ritual that we do when we come back together. I'm going to scoop you some. You scoop me some. No, this was something that was not enjoyable, not fun. It was gross. This was, this was something that Jesus said, you know, that I'm not, a, if I'm the master teacher and I can do this, he goes on, you, you can do the same. And so this is important, I believe. There's a certain level of discomfort, awkwardness, and rearrangement involved in Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He had to put on different clothes, take this off, and, and it, it was not, we can tell it was awkward because Peter says, no, nah, this is weird, you can't do this for me. They had a little bit of discomfort here, but Jesus said, no, this is important. Jesus humbled himself to do the job of, of, of a slave. This is not a job that most people would sign up for. You know, sociologists uh, today are uh, documenting a trend they call, and they come up with a term they call slacktivism. You heard of slacktivism? Slacktivism is a new thing with the rise of social media where people want to be activists, but instead of actually doing something, they just like something. Click. <laughs> it's called slacktivism. So you see some post, you see, oh, definitely, boom, I'm all for that, bam. Or you should reshare it, that's another level. I mean, not just, I'm not just gonna like it, I'm gonna share it. Mm. And, and, and if, if you wanna write your own original thing, you can write your own words, and that's probably the next level of slacktivism. So, so this is something that, that, that sociologists are actually writing like, articles, you can look it up. That, that people have this, this propensity to want to serve and to do something to make a difference, but then our, our means and our methods are so, uh, come up so short from actually doing anything. And I'm not trying to down if you've ever done that, share something, that's okay. But if that's all that we do is just like stuff and share stuff and click stuff and everything we can scroll through in our, and that's how we're serving the world, we, we maybe need to stop and think for a second. You know, sometimes we need to get our hands dirty. Sometimes we've got to get out of our comfort zone. It's not all fill, you know, just refill. It's, you know, it's easy. 
Sometimes it's, it's not comfortable. It's, it's not easy. It doesn't fit into our agenda and our schedule and our, all that stuff. You know, sometimes we got to roll up our sleeves and actually do something for somebody else. And it's, it's not easy. But at the same time, maybe think of Jesus. This actually, in all, all ways, shape, and form, was, was nothing compared about what he was going to do. This really, he's about to go to the cross. So in, in light of Jesus serving us, this was nothing. This was nothing. And, and so think about it for a second. I, my son plays basketball, and in all these sports, you warm up before the game. I, I don't know a lot of sports. Maybe certain sports you can, but most sports you're going to have a warm-up, and you're going to have practices. You're going to go and get ready and prepare for the, for the game. You've got to do that if you want to be successful at the next level. Um, so maybe this is speaking to us about a warm-up. Maybe there's certain things that aren't to the level where, you know, you're like, oh, that's, if I really could do that, that would, that would make all the difference. But maybe God says, you know, even if you did something small, that's a warm-up for where I'm taking This is kind of a warm-up for the cross. Jesus got all this going on, but you know what? If I can humble myself now, this is getting me prepared for something even greater. So you may be in a phase of life and you think, well, what can I really do? You know, I don't know. Well, maybe you could do something, and it's a warm-up for the next thing. If you're always waiting to do something amazing, maybe you'll never start doing anything. So, so in a way, we need warm-ups too. There's folks that serve here at this church by just tearing down some black curtains and folding them up. Now, is that huge? Is that, no. But maybe that's taking you to the next step. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you show up early. You start setting up, and now you got to give up a few hours of your sleep. You're like, okay, all right. Taking it up a notch. Uh, maybe you go on a Saturday and volunteer at a, a, you know, a food pantry or something like that. I work at one that uh, is in the Lexington community, and uh, there's a lot of people that volunteer there. I mean, so there's all sorts of things. Maybe you give a week and go on a missions trip. Uh, there's so many different ways that we can warm up to the next level, but we got to start somewhere, right? You know, I, I uh, serve my family in small ways. I, I'm the official bug killer. Sorry, David. Are bugs, is that bad for vegans? To kill bugs? Uh, yeah. It's a, okay, all right, so kill the bugs. Bugs are all out. If you're vegan, you can kill bugs. Depends on which, which uh, denomination you are. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, there's a moth. I'm right my sermon last night. I'm just finishing up, got headphones in, listening to worship music, all right, this is good. All of a sudden, there's a moth. <laughs> And I can't say I actually served well. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> All right, but that's what my job. I kill the bugs in the house. Uh, I do throw up, right? She doesn't do throw up. I do the throw up. There's throw up. I clean it up. Um, there's all little ways that you serve, right? And, and that's not what I want to do, but it's what I, I get to do. I plunge the toilets, too. That's my job as well. Um, she does the laundry for the most part. That's probably a lot more than I ever do. Um, so we all start somewhere. But if we're not willing to do something small, how are we going to do something great? We're not willing to do the simple things. How are we going to, God going to trust us with greater things? All right, number three, the who of serving. The who of serving. Who's sitting around this table? Last supper. A combination of oh, Jesus' disciples. Those people that he cares about. Most of them are his dear, dear friends. Actually, all of them claim to be. And yet we read about one who's already planning to betray Jesus. The devil had convinced him and he gave into this temptation to betray Jesus and turn him over to the Jews. So Jesus is washing not 11 disciples, but 12 disciples feet. 
his friends and his enemies. Those that are for him and those that are against him. Think about it. He's not selective in who he's serving. I want you to think about that. This is the who. I mean, are, are we able to say, you know what, I will serve these people, but not those people. You know, the people that believe like me, that's who God really cares about. And the people that are over here and they're maybe in, in sin or they're doing this, well, we don't, we don't want to associate or help them. Is that really how that goes? No, I don't believe so. The Bible says Jesus served everyone. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, I'm only going to drive for these type of people, this race, this uh, sort of folks, but not these people. No, he died for everyone. And when we serve, we want to have that heart of Jesus who wasn't choosy. He didn't say, just my favorites, just the, the inner three, Peter, James, and John. Those are the ones I'm really going to scrub the dirt out a little bit better. You know, you get the, the next level job. Uh, he, he, he served all of them. And, and he did even the ones that were... Uh, totally against him. Imagine, imagine how that would go. And you can imagine your mind just for a second coming up to Judas, junk on Judas' feet. And this guy's about to just stab you in the back. But I'm going to come and I'm going to wash your feet anyway. Wow. Wow. This demonstrates Jesus' teaching. This is what he's teaching us. He's doing it and teaching us. Matthew 5, 43 to 45. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you will be children of your Father in heaven. So who is your who? Could be people that are your family members, your marriage, your spouse, kids. But it could be people that drive you nuts. Maybe that person at work that's like, good night, I can avoid that person. That'd be great today. If I didn't see them, that'd be a good day. But maybe God is calling you to serve them as well. It's not just the people that give you a smile. Maybe it's the people that you could be happy to, to not see. Number four, the why of serving. We don't know what's going on here. We don't know if this is all metaphorical, it's all Jesus teaching, or if they didn't have a servant in this situation. They were just disciples of Jesus. They didn't have someone lower to do this job for them, so it just didn't get done. We don't know the, the complete story here, but we know that there were not washed feet prior to this, and uh, no disciple wanted to step up and do it. In fact, we read from the other gospel accounts, the synoptic gospels in Luke 22, verse 24. You can read that, and it says a dispute arose among them as to which of them were to consider the greatest. This took place at the Last Supper, right after Jesus broke the bread and passed the cup. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Okay, that's cool, Jesus. Now, which one of us is going to be the greatest? That's literally what that one says, right after he did that. And so in John's gospel, he doesn't record the, the breaking of bread, the, the passing of the cup. And, and some commentators say that's because it was such a common practice in the churches at that time when the gospel was being written. They, they knew about that. That was, that was Everyone knew about that. But this was a little bit less of a prominent story. He's trying to get that across to the people that in the midst of Jesus sharing about his death and the, the disciples saying, you know, which one of us is the greatest? And they're all sitting there with stinky feet and nobody wanted to do anything about it. And Jesus said, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me show you the greatest. And that's when he wraps the towel around his waist and he, he goes and serves them because they didn't want to do it. They were too concerned about other things. Their status, where they're going to be in the kingdom of God. Jesus showed them, this is, this is how you... This is how you're somebody in the kingdom. 
when you serve others. Not when you sit around here and talk about how great you are. It's when you go and serve. This is what it's all about. He's teaching a powerful lesson about love and what it really means to follow him. So we're not better than anybody else. We're not above anybody. If Jesus can do it, then so can we. So why do we serve? There's three blanks there. Let me give you just three reasons. Why do, why do we serve? Why, why is this important as a, as a believer in Jesus? Why, why, would, why would we do this? Number one, it's obedience. Obedience to Jesus. He says it very clearly. If I'm your master and I've done this, then you should do as I've done. This is, this is not just an optional thing. Like, well, I like, I like this part and that part, but I don't know about all that. No, he says this is part, this is, this is fundamental. This is part of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is that we would follow his example and serve others in some capacity. He's calling us all to do that. So this is obedience to him. But number two, serving makes a difference. Serving actually makes a difference. The problem is we don't always see what difference it makes, or, or we, it's hard to really envision that. But it makes a difference. There's so many needs in the world, so many needs in our community. They're great things and they're small things. The serving makes a difference. There's a quote that's attributed to Mother Teresa. Some say it's a misquote or it's not really her, but who cares? We'll just say it's Mother Teresa, right? I don't know. I can't ask her now. But uh, I didn't mean that in a rude way. I'm just saying. Let's just believe it was her, right? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. All right. Not all of us can do great things. You may have heard this quote before. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I mean, whoever said it, it was powerful. Not all of us can do great things. And, and if we sit here and wait till that great thing comes along, we'll be sitting for a while. But all of us can do something, whether it's big or small, with great love. Serving makes a difference, even in the small things that come our way. Number three, serving transforms us. Serving transforms us. It's not just making a difference in somebody else. The fact that we're getting out and humbling ourselves, it can transform us. When we humble ourselves and serve someone in need, it changes our hearts. It reorients our thinking. It gets us to a place where we realize we're not above, we're not better, hopefully. But here's, here's the strange irony, and I'll throw this out. I don't have an answer for it, because my last point is actually a bunch of questions. But sometimes people that serve the most can end up being the most sour. You ever, you ever seen that? It's, it's true in the church, I know. A lot of people that, I've been doing this for 30 years, praise God, and I hate people. It's like, oh, shoot. Praise the Lord, man. Or something. I mean, I grew up in church, so I know. I mean, there's Royal Ranger commanders, you know. They're, you know, you've been a Royal Ranger commander, man. Them boys, you scared of them folks, but they love Jesus, and man, or something. They love something. I don't know what they love. They they lost it along the way. Sometimes we can serve to a point where it does damage to us. It's weird. So we have to be careful. Serving can transform us and make us humble. Purify our, our motive, but it also can do damage if we're not careful. If we get off track and we start just muscling through in our own effort, we got to have the Holy Spirit fill us and give us that strength so we can do it right. Not just keep doing it. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest, sometimes the best thing is to take a break. When our hearts are getting off track, is to take a break and let God purify our hearts. Not so we can just kind of cruise off into to church retirement. 
you know, I'm 55, I've been doing this, all right, well, I'm going to sit here for another 30 years, however long I got. But maybe there's a times and seasons where we do need to take a break so our hearts can get refreshed and we can jump back in with a good heart, with a pure, pure motives, you know, and I think the Lord wants to do that in us. And sometimes, unfortunately, we get guilted into, we need to do this, this, and this, and this, and we just jump in because we feel like, well, I got to. But I think the best thing is when we serve with pure heart, a heart that's being refreshed by the Holy Spirit. And we've got such, such more impact when we do that as well. So finally, this is the how of serving. The how of serving. I got a bad joke, I will tell you, just because everybody appreciates a bad joke. A father just uh, had his driveway repaved. Concrete was still fresh and wet, so he fenced it off with sticks, taped, found his young boy who was playing outside, and told him not to run on the new driveway. You have to stay off the driveway. Do you understand? Yeah, Dad. Well, you know what happened, right? A few minutes later, the boy goes running around the house and splat, 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 all in the driveway. Well, the dad was furious. He's mad. He's yelling at the boy, threatening him with all sorts of punishment. And the mom, of course, comes out, as moms do, told him, hey, can you be able to understand you, you, love, you love your son, remember? You love him. Come on. And that's it. Well, I love him in the abstract. But I don't love them in the concrete. That's good. All right. It's it's easy to love and to serve people in the abstract. Yes, I want to serve others. Thank you, Pastor Shelton, for a great encouraging word from John chapter thirteen. And then what? <laughs> you know, we just go eat lunch and go on with our lives, and you know, maybe tuck your notes in your Bible and you see it somewhere along the way. <laughs> oh, I remember that one. Yeah. But how do we actually put it into practice? That's the point. And to me, when I was just reading and preparing this message, I thought, man, this, this sermon really be, it needs teeth. It need, and I don't know that I've got enough teeth in it, but it's got to connect in our life somehow. And I threw some questions on here. How do we serve? And this kind of goes back to the what, because there's all sorts of ways, small and big. But there's a lot of things and I don't think it would be important if you do get into like a small group situation this week, you know, some of the guys meet on Wednesdays or whatever it might be, or maybe it's just as a couple or, or as a family, maybe go over a couple of these questions. What does it mean to serve others? How does it look like in our world? What does it mean like for a teenager to serve somebody? What does it mean like for, for an elementary school person to serve? I know for my kids, I'll be like, hey, how about you do some chores? <laughs> you know, that'd be nice. Don't let make your mom do everything, Right. Had a little neighbor girl wandering around. The, you know, she loves wandering around. A little neighbor girl. She's like following me. Everything I'm doing yesterday, and then the thing's creeping her parents out. But anyway, she was like in the backyard, and I'm like, well, yeah, my kids are inside doing chores because she's trying to play with them. I'm like, well, do you have chores to do? No, I don't do chores. <laughs> you need to because you're you're bugging me, right? You know. So um, anyway, you know, she didn't do chores. You know, so I don't know. Maybe if you're a kid, you know, hey, step it up. Step up your game. Do some. Do help around the house. Do something. Serve your parents who are serving you like crazy. Um, maybe serve outside the home. There's just so many, so many ways we can. As as adults, as as older people, how do we serve others? How do we get engaged in that with with a pure heart? There's so many ways we can, but because there's so many, sometimes we just get lost in the choices. Like when you're trying to pick a yogurt at the store, which flavor? I don't know. There's so many options. So, so the questions here are to help you, but um, the point is we need to step into 
what God's calling us to do. And I don't know what that means for your life, and I don't know what season of life you're in. And Kyle, if you would come at this point, um, maybe you're, you're serving here at the church, and we would thank you for that. This, this setup takes people. It doesn't magically snap. We had like a little clapper. Clap it, and it all shows how to be great if they invented that, but it's actually laborious. You've got to move stuff around, you know, and it takes people. And I thank you for all the people that have continued to do that for the last year and a half and, and come and set up so we could have a space where we can worship God together. And so maybe uh, that's something. Maybe, you know, hey, I can come once a month. I can come help. You know, 8.15, we show up, 8.30. Start getting rock out. It's not hard. Maybe it's, you know, it's nothing to do with the church. Maybe it's out in the community. You know, there's a lot of organizations that are doing good. And uh, we put our time into that and help others. Maybe it's mentoring. And there's so many things. Like I said, I work at a place called Licks, Lexington Interfaith Community Services. There are countless volunteers up there coming either for an hour or for a lot of times. People that are there all the time trying to do something with their time that's productive. Something that I can help somebody else. And so there's so many ways we can serve. God's just asking us to be faithful to him what he's asking us to do. But here, here's the, the final thing. It's not just about us serving. This is a great metaphor, great powerful thing. But truly the story is about Jesus serving us. That's what it's all about. That's the story. Jesus is serving us. And the key scripture here really is when he comes to Peter. And Peter's like, no, not going to serve me. Why is that? I don't know. Sometimes we have a hard time being served. Receiving what God's wanting to do through, through another person or through him directly. Sometimes we, we think we got to do all the things. No, but no, no, I'm good. But sometimes we need the Lord to minister to us. We're so busy trying to help everybody else. We forgot that, that God's trying to minister to us. That he desires to, to refresh us and to, to do his work in us. And truly, this story is about salvation, what he's about to do on the cross. He says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We have to let Jesus wash us to have a relationship with him. This is what the message of scripture is all about, the gospel. That we have sin in our life. That we have things that have separated us from God. And if we don't allow Jesus to wash us of sin purifies that we cannot have a relationship with the living God. And it's not something we have to do. It's, it's what he wants to do to serve us. But unless we let him, like Peter, no, I'm never going to let you, never going to let you. Well, if, I, if you don't, you don't have a relationship with me. Okay. All right. Well, come do it. So we have to respond to Jesus. He's wanting to wash us. He's wanting to cleanse us. So we have to humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. Have you allowed Jesus to wash you? To cleanse you of sin this morning? Or are you trying to live that sort of quasi-Christian, I'm a good person, try to be a decent guy, life, decent gal, and that, that gets me in good with God? Truth is, we're, none of us are good enough. None of us are decent enough to have a relationship with God. We have to have His washing that He provided at the cross cleanse us to make us right with Him. So if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if you're here this morning and, and you've never let the Lord wash you of your sin. You've never responded to him in that way. You've maybe been familiar with Jesus or the Bible or the church or whatever it may be. 
But you've never said, Jesus, take away my sin. Wash me and make me a new person. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to take that step. To step into a new way of living, a new way of relationship with Jesus. Truly, we, when you walk with the Lord, you ask Him to, to forgive you quite a bit because none of us walk straight all the time. But that initial cleansing is, is something that puts us in relationship with God. So if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins and I've never done that. I haven't had that type of relationship with Him. If, if that's you this morning, I'll give you a chance to just lift your hand and say, you know what, Pastor Sheldon, I want to do that this morning. I need Jesus to wash my sin away. I don't want to begin a relationship with him. Is there anybody here this morning? That's, that's you. Amen. Amen. Well, as we conclude and say a final prayer, I want you to think in this prayer. How will I serve others? What is the what of my service? Who is the who in my world? Maybe more than one person, maybe groups of people. Why am I doing this? Have I lost my focus? Maybe I've lost my joy. Why, why am I serving others? It's just because I've always been doing this. My prayer is that you would find refreshing, you would find joy, you would find strength as you serve others. And as you serve others, you realize you're really serving the Lord. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you this morning that you have served us to the ultimate degree, not just washing feet, but dying on a cross to take away our sin, sin that we cannot scrub out of our own lives. It's only scrubbed out because you can do it by your blood. And we thank you, Lord, that you continue to serve us each and every day with grace upon grace. God, you are a long-suffering, patient, merciful God. We thank you for that this morning. And Lord, I ask as we accept this challenge, this command to serve others as you have given us the example. God, I pray that we would not lose sight of the why. We'd just do it purely out of obedience, although that's important. But Lord, we would do it with a sense of purpose. God, for those that are weary, I pray this morning that you would lift up their spirits. You would give them a fresh sense of vision and purpose. God, that you would pour your spirit into their lives this morning. And you would, you would speak to them that all that they are doing is not for, for nothing. When the results sometimes don't seem to be what we want, God, remind us that we are truly serving you. At the end of the day, we are serving you. God, and we are, we are looking to please you, God. Lord, I pray that we would all have a heart of humility toward others. God, help us to strive to be like you in all things. So, Lord, help us as we lead. Give us a sense of, of a purpose. Lord, help us to serve people in the concrete, not just in the abstract. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.
Amen. What's up?